All right, good job, Miss Monique. Thank you guys for being here. Welcome. Welcome to Epic Today. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. For those of you that are live on campus today, thanks for showing up at church. For those of you that are joining us online today, uh, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day. And like Monique said there just a moment ago, today is a little bit different. We're going to begin a brand new series, and that will become very evident uh, here in just a moment. But I want to take you back several years in your life to, uh, to grade school and history class, okay? So um, let's have a little audience participation. Who can tell me what happened on December the 16th and 1773? Anybody? December the 16th on 1773. Here's basically what happened. On December 16th, 1773, there were 300, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of some things that maybe it'll come to you here in just a second. There were 300 sons of liberty. Somebody said it right here. 300 sons of liberty who marched onto some ships that were docked in the Boston Harbor that day. And, and over the cheers of the colonists in the community that day, they overturned over 45 tons of British tea in revolt and protest of unfair taxation. And you know what the ramification of that act that night was? You and I are sitting here today in the United States of America because it was the thing, that's right, it was the thing that launched the American Revolution way back in 1773. And as I was kind of revisiting um, that story over the last few weeks, the, one of the things that the questions that I just had was, I wonder if those 300 people really knew the implications of the action that they took that night. Because the reality in history records that uh, the American Revolution began and you and I are here today and we get to live in the, in the greatest nation on planet earth as far as I'm concerned. And we have freedom and liberty to worship a God who's alive and a Jesus who's our savior today openly and freely. Today we're going to begin a brand new series. And uh, my prayer for this series is that it will be the spark that ignites a revolution in Flagler County and beyond for the rest of our lives. And I believe God wants us to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. But instead of calling this series a revolution, we're going to call this series a servolution is what we're going to call it. We're going to talk about serving for the next three weeks. And we're going to kick off this series in a big way. We're going to have some fun at church today. So I want to encourage you to get up off your feet if you're able. And this is our anthem for the next three weeks, okay? So check out what Matt and our worship team have put together for us today. So if you will, join me on your feet. If you're able, let's have some fun today as we begin our new series. All right, anybody having a good time today? Uh, like we said a minute ago, we're going to start a new series today called Servolution. So what I want to do, I want to talk about an idea between a revolution and a servolution, okay? We kind of know what it takes for a revolution uh, to begin, and, and most of the uh, what we would consider to be revolutions that have started uh, over human history have started out of a out of a discontent or out of a fear or or even anger and violence against something that um, uh, somebody got behind a movement or of some sort or that kind of thing. A servolution, on the other hand, uh, is a movement that is motivated by three things primarily, all right? It's motivated by compassion, first of all. It's motivated by, uh, by love. And thirdly, it's motivated by service. So what we're gonna do over the next three weeks, which includes our 3G Sunday, which happens two weeks from today, is we're gonna talk about this idea of serving and how you and I uh, have the privilege and the opportunity to engage in something that Jesus said is one of the most important things uh, that we could that we could ever do. So let me give you a little working definition of what I call a servolution. Okay, here's basically what a servolution is: a servolution is a movement that's designed to serve others through simple and strategic acts of kindness in Jesus' name. Let me read it again, okay, because it's, it's, it's simple, but it's profound. A servolution is a movement that's designed to serve others through simple and strategic acts of kindness 
in Jesus' name. In other words, if you really wanted to break it down and simplify it, it's simply Christ's followers serving other people in Jesus' name or helping other people in Jesus' name. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 says. Uh, This is a simple verse, but it's very profound and has huge impacts for our life. Listen to what it says. It says a generous person, uh, we could say that would be a servant, okay? Somebody who's willing to give of their time and their talents and their treasures. It says a generous person will be enriched. And look here, and the one who gives a drink of water. How simple is that? The one who gives a drink of water, the Bible says, uh, will receive water. And in Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 45, Jesus made one of the greatest statements that he ever made. If you're, you're like me and you really love to, to read the red letter part of our Bible, the New Testament part of our Bible where Jesus is speaking, Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 records one of the greatest statements that Jesus made about himself. And and I want to challenge you, especially during this series, to memorize this verse right here, because if we understand Jesus's attitude towards service, then it will help us understand how we're supposed to respond when we have opportunities to simply and strategically serve others in the name of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in Mark 10 and verse 45. He said, for even the son of man, talking about himself, that would be Jesus, for even the son of man did not come to be served. What's the next three words? But to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Boston Tea Party is a great example of what it takes for a, for a revolution to begin. Uh, so what I want to do today is I want to talk about, well, what does it take for a servolution to begin? What does it take for a movement of people who are going to take serious what Jesus said about himself and about us as Christ's followers? What, what does it look like for a, for a servolution to begin right here in our backyard in Flagler County, Florida, that I believe literally has implications that can translate all the way around the globe with what the local church is involved in uh, today? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, how a servolution can happen. And I hope that you're just going to kind of lean in real close over the next couple of weeks as we unpack some things from God's word and that you'll take seriously the opportunity to actually go out and sign up for 3G Sunday, but not just let it stop there, to really uh, make this a priority in your life and to make a difference in other people's lives as you, as you live out your life every single day. So I want to give you three things today that will help you understand how a servolution can happen and how it can start right here at Epic Church, okay? So in order for a servolution to happen, here's the first thing we have to know, all right? Uh, It can only happen uh, when there is a clear mission that everybody believes in. A servolution can only happen when there is a clear mission that everybody can believe in. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of, I want to give you some fundamental stuff about Epic Church today to help us understand the mission which we believe God has called us to in Flagler County and beyond. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 in verse number 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, a a vision has to do with a clear picture of what could be. If somebody's got a vision for something, uh, they've got a clear picture of what could be. It might not be achieved yet, but they know what it looks like and they're headed in that direction. The Bible says if we don't have vision in our life, uh, then we're just existing. Uh, And it goes on to say there that the people will perish. So I want to take you back 
and help us understand today some basic fundamental stuff about Epic Church today. And if you're new with us, I hope that this will help you understand what kind of church that we are and who we believe God's called us to be. So let me start with Epic's mission statement, if I can do that. You hear this statement all the time. Uh, You read it. It's on our website. It's on a lot of print media. You'll hear um, our announcers talk about this. Uh, You'll hear communicators use this statement. But basically, the mission of Epic Church is this right here, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, To lead people into a life-changing relationships with Jesus Christ. And church, in just a a few weeks on November the 1st, like uh, Monique talked about, about baptism in just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the reality of that mission being uh, lived out as we baptize more people uh, who have said, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to follow him. I know he's forgiven my sins. I want him to help me navigate my life and take me to be with him forever in heaven one of these days. And over the last 11 years at Epic Church, we've had 679 people place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's worth a hand, okay? That's worth celebrating. We've had 679 people who have said yes to Jesus. And, And you know what that is? That's evidence of us living out the mission of our church to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that, that, that statement has a couple implications there. Number one, it means that there's some leaders, okay? And it says, uh, we're going to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember early on in my ministry, I was asking one of my mentors, how do I know if I'm leading effectively, And he said something to me that was so simple, but yet so profound. He said, Brian, it's really simple. Just look over your shoulder. He said, if you look over your shoulder and there's nobody following you, guess what? You're not leading effectively. But if you look over your shoulder and there are people who are following you, then you're leading intentionally and you're leading effectively. So that's what we want to do. We want to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So there also implies that there's going to be some followers. And can I just tell you today, we live in a great opportunity in the culture and the society that we get to live in today at this particular point in human history. There is an opportunity, especially in the Western world and the United States of America that we live to do that on a regular basis to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now behind that mission are what we call some values. Uh, These are some core foundational things that, that we believe to the core of who we are as a church. And by the way, these things are non-negotiable. Uh, they're going to be the things that, that drive us, that kind of keep the ship headed in the right direction, that keeps the train on the tracks, so to speak. So I want to remind you today about um, our values as a church. Number one, and Trent visited these a couple of weeks ago uh, and talked specifically about these first two, but I just want to remind you today, we believe that people matter. There's not anybody that God has ever created that should not matter to the body of Christ. If you're alive and breathing on planet earth today, listen, I don't care who you are, uh, uh, what you've done, what you did last night, who you did it with, you matter. Okay, you matter to God no matter what you've been through. And we want to be a church that helps people understand that this is a safe place where they can show up just as they are and learn that they matter to God and they matter to us. We also believe that becoming like Jesus matters. Uh, That um, we're not just here to do church, we're here to be like Jesus. And if we'll be like Jesus, then we'll be the kind of church that that God wants us to be. So there's a lot of opportunities that we engage in that help us to be more like Jesus. We also believe that authentic community matters. Uh, Another way to say that is we, we value relationships. We believe there is, uh, we were created to be in relationships with other people. And that's why we do community groups. It's why we do short-term groups. It's why we we have ministry teams that people can connect and serve together on and and get to know new people and have friendships and relationships and all that stuff. And it's really, really important to us. We also believe that engaging environments matter. 
It's kind of a double-edged sword. Number one, we believe when people show up, this ought to be a, a nice, neat, spacious environment where you can be comfortable. I mean, don't you thank God for air conditioner today, okay? Because there's a lot of churches that are meeting in places where they're not air conditioner, all right? And we've got climate control and uh, uh, we've got great environments, bathrooms that we can go. Our children are in great spaces uh, behind us. But the other part of that is, is we want to be strategic to use these environments to teach truth, to teach the word of God, to introduce people to Jesus, to give people an opportunity uh, to worship. And it's why we do what we do as a church. But then there's this fifth uh, value that I get really fired up about. And we believe that serving others matters. That God's called us to serve people. God's gifted us to serve other people. And it's going to be the focus of what we're going to we're going to talk about when we talk about this idea of a servolution and when we talk about this idea of making a kingdom impact in our community and beyond. I just have to believe that those people who participated in the Boston Tea Party back on December the 16th in 1773 that they believed in the mission that night. They might not have understood the ramifications and the total outcome, but one thing they believed in is that they believed in what they were doing tonight, that night and they took action and they did something. So in order for a servolution to happen, there has to be a clear mission that everybody believes in. Number two, we have to be willing to put other people's needs ahead of our own. In order for a servolution to happen, we have to be willing to put other people's needs ahead of our own. Now, that memory verse that we talked about in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where Jesus made that declaration about himself and he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, to understand the brevity and the power of that, that verse, you got to understand the conversation that, that precedes it. So if you go back to Mark chapter 10, and, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but starting in about verse number 35, basically what you're going to find is that Jesus' followers and his disciples kind of thought that Jesus was going to show up and he was going to declare himself to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he was going to dominate the known world at that particular time with this new kingdom, this new rule, this new reign. He was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, who was the dominant power at the time. And the disciples thought, man, we want in on this. We want to we wanna charge in with Jesus. But Jesus, we got a special request. And what they requested is that when you establish your kingdom, uh, we want to be a part of it. Matter of fact, the Bible says, we want one of us to sit on your right hand side and the one of us to sit on your left hand side. In other words, we want position, we want power, and we want prominence in your kingdom, Jesus. And then Jesus says this in verse number 43. He said, guys, it's not going to be like that among you. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave or a servant to all. And then he makes the statement, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the greatest act of service that was ever created, ever um, uh, partaken of in human history was when Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless son of God in eternity past, stepped out of heaven, became a man, was born into this world, lived the perfect sinless life and willingly laid down his life on a cross to die for you and me. The ultimate act of service. And Jesus said, that's why I came. That's how I'm going to rule. That's how I'm going to reign. And if you want to be a part of that, you got to get at the back of the line. you got to be willing to serve other people. And, and Jesus is saying we got to be willing to put other people's needs ahead of our own. I want to revisit a, a passage of Scripture that 
we visited just a few weeks ago in our one series, and, and we kind of talk a lot about it here at Epic because it's just a really, really important passage of Scripture in the New Testament. And John chapter 4 records the encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at the well. We're just going to briefly revisit it today uh, for just a second. Listen to what it says in verse number one. It says, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee and he had to travel through Samaria. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. So kind of keep that, uh, keep that thought for just a second. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, here's, this is important too, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well and it was about six in the evening. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, when you read those few verses in this encounter, there, there are two things I want to visit today. Number one, it's really clear from this passage of scripture that Jesus is tired, he's thirsty, and he's hungry. Anybody ever been there? All right. Uh, I don't know that I've really, really been there, but there are times where I've said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And you know who the only person on my mind is in those moments? Me. Because I want my needs met. Because I want something to drink. Because I want something to eat. Because I want to take a nap. And we know that Jesus was tired, he was thirsty, and, and he was hungry. Uh, the other thing this, this passage teaches us in verse number four says he had to travel through Samaria. Uh, now, uh, the English version of our Bible doesn't really do the intention of that verse justice because when you study the original language, Jesus didn't have to. It wasn't the only way to get from Judea to Galilee was to go through Samaria. Matter of fact, the Jews made it a point to bypass Samaria so that they wouldn't have to have any interaction with the Samaritan people because they were at opposite polar ends of the spectrum when it came to culture and society. Society. But the Bible says that Jesus had to go to the town of Samaria. The original language actually reads like this. He must needs to go through Samaria. And what that means is Jesus was intentional about going to Samaria because he knew there was going to be a woman there who had a need and he was the one who could meet that need. So he was intentional about going through Samaria. So we know Jesus was tired, he was thirsty, and he was hungry. And you know what? When you think about our culture today, uh, we live in a, in a pretty selfish culture, don't we? we? We live in a culture that screams at us, it's all about you. Take care of yourself. Get all that you can get. It's all about you and, and nobody else. But Jesus, on the other hand, says, that's not the way that I came to, to influence people. That's not the way that I, I came to, uh, to do things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put other people's needs above myself. And if you want to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, you need to be willing, even in the midst of a selfish society, to be selfless, is what Jesus is teaching us. And when we are selfless, that's when a servolution can begin. You see, Jesus gave her something that literally changed her life. We're going to get to that in just a minute. He literally did something for her that would change her life. Uh, back in November of last year, just a couple of months after um, I came on staff at Epic, I had an opportunity to meet one of the ladies in our church family. Her name is Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie is a cancer um, survivor, but she also deals with ongoing other parts of that cancer issues. And uh, she's a single grandmother who, for the last 15 years, has been raising um, uh, two and sometimes three of her grandchildren by herself. So we can technically put her in that single mom's category. And there's just something about Stephanie's spirit that just resonated with me and 
and uh, she's basically a, a survivor and uh, loves Jesus, loves Epic, and, and wants to make a contribution, uh, any opportunity that she has. And back over the holidays, we had some opportunities to come alongside Stephanie as our church family and, and help her and her children. But back in November of last year, the vehicle that Stephanie was driving basically just quit altogether. Um, it was just worn out. Um, the, the engine basically blew up. It's going to cost more to get it repaired and fixed than what she had the means to be able to take care of. And it was just a tough time for her and her family. And we had an opportunity to kind of come alongside and, and, and help. But in February of this year, just a few months removed from that in November, uh, as we were kind of checking in with folks, uh, as COVID was kind of setting in and finding out how people were doing and that kind of thing, I, I reached out to Stephanie again and just said, Stephanie, just want to let you know we're thinking about you, uh, see how you're doing, how the kid's doing. And you can imagine what her world was like as, as the pandemic uh, was setting in and this, that, and the other. And uh, uh, for the rest of Stephanie's story, I just want to read her story to you in her own words. And I, I got permission to share this with you today from Stephanie. I didn't ask her to write this. Uh, it was actually something that was paste, posted on Facebook uh, with another organization that we were actually able to partner with. And I just want you to listen to Stephanie's story and understand this idea that in order for a solution to happen, there has to be a mission that everybody believes in. There has to be a group of people who are willing to put other people's needs above their own. In that context, listen to Stephanie's story. She says this, I've always been the type of person to make lemonade when life gives you lemons. I love that attitude. As a grandmother still raising two out of our three grandchildren for the last 15 years, I've had to go without many things and still keep my head above water. My faith in God has never left me, but it has definitely wavered at times. I've been there. Anybody else been there? That's just being real. And one day I was at my lowest and I contacted my church prayer group. That's the prayer ministry that we have at Epic where you can submit a prayer request and you can be confident and assured that if you turn in a prayer request, there's going to be a group of people at Epic Church who are going to pray for you because we believe in the power of prayer. And she says, I contacted my church prayer group and my finances were exhausted. My health was failing and I just needed a little extra boost of faith. And Pastor Brian called and we talked as we had done several times before. A few days later, he called and said that he had a surprise. He had been in touch with an organization called Fresh Hope Ministries and said that they help single moms who have transportation needs. I had been without a car since the beginning of the year and mainly relied on two friends for transportation. The pandemic had forced us to stay home and the children had been learning remotely. And still there were doctor's appointments that I could not keep. The kids' eyeglasses need to be renewed, and either way, we went without or we just made do with what we had. Then Fresh Hope Ministries changed it all. I applied for a free vehicle, and I was approved. I was getting a car, exclamation point, is what she said. I felt like I had won the lottery. When the day arrived and Pastor Brian and Pastor Donna presented uh, me with the car, I felt as if I was dreaming. It still feels like that when I look outside and I see it in my driveway. I'm able to schedule and go to doctor's appointments. I was able to get my grandson his badly needed glasses. And when we run short on groceries, I don't have to call and bother my friends to tag along with them. In fact, as I sit here writing this testimony, she says, I'm crying. Tears of joy, that is, and disbelief that I would be chosen to receive such a gift. It's more than transportation. It's a gift of life. Life not only for me, but also for my grandchildren who never got to go anywhere or do anything. And that means everything to me. So much joy has come back into our lives and it is immeasurable. And I thank God for a ministry like Fresh Hope. And it is just that, Fresh Hope. I'm honored and awed that they chose me and I thank God and ask him to bless your ministries in a special way. Let me show you a picture of Stephanie in her new car today. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Somebody told me Stephanie was in the house today. Stephanie, this is the second time Stephanie's been at church. 
of today since getting her new vehicle. And you know what? I'm so glad that there are people like Fresh Hope Ministry who have donors and contributors and Christ followers who are committed to putting other people's needs above their, their own. So that people like Stephanie and others in our community can have a, a tangible, practical need met that literally changes their life. You see, Jesus offered this woman living water. Not only could that living water change her life, but it literally changed her destiny and her eternity as well. And Jesus went out of his way to be intentional to go through Samaria to identify that need and to meet that need. And by the way, in case you're, fit, you're just like, I'm just not sure about all this, let me revisit Proverbs 11:25 just again and listen to what it says, okay? It basically says, if we will focus on other people's needs, God's going to meet our needs as well. Listen to what it says. He says there, uh, the generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water, look here, will receive water. So you want to be a blessing and get a blessing in return? Start putting other people's needs above your own needs. And that's what it takes for a servolution to begin. It's the principle of uh, of sowing and reaping. We don't have time to go there. You can grab one of our spiritual growth challenges on the way out, or you can download it from our website. But Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 10, unpack the principle of sowing and reaping. And it basically says, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to get. So you know what? If we sow a little, we're only going to get a little. But if we'll sow a lot and we'll sow much, we're going to get a lot and we're going to get much back because that's the way that God's economy works. So in order for a servolution to happen, number one, there's got to be a clear mission that everybody believes in. Number two, there's got to be people who are willing to put other people's needs above their own. And number three, we have to think of service as an opportunity instead of an obligation. You see, Jesus was intentional about going to Samaria because he saw an opportunity. He didn't have to. Uh, And I can imagine maybe at some level because he was tired, he was hungry, and he was thirsty, he might not have wanted to go that extra mile. But you know what? He saw it as an opportunity instead of an obligation. Look at what verses 11 through 15 say. This was the response to Jesus' act of service to this woman. She said, sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never, ever get thirsty again. In fact, the water that I give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. And then listen to her response in verse number 15. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water. I want this water. How can I get this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here and draw water. You see, this is the place where the physical need meets the spiritual need. The physical need of people meets the spiritual nature of God. Because when we are intentional about being servants and being willing to take opportunities that are in front of us every single day, here's what happens. It earns us the right to speak truth into people's lives. And we don't have time to read it today, but you can start there in verse number 16 of John chapter 4, and you can read through the rest of the story, and you can see the the impact that Jesus had because he started with a random act of service, and he offered somebody a drink of water. And here's what we know. Serving others earns us the right to share Jesus and to speak truth into people's lives. I like to say it this way, serving leads to conversation, and conversation leads to relationship, and relationship leads to transformation. And Jesus immediately begins a conversation with the woman at the well that day, 
that literally transformed and changed her life for all of eternity, but not just her life. The Bible says that many people from her town and village came out to meet Jesus, and many of them believed in him and followed him. So serving leads to conversation. Conversation leads to relationship. Relationship leads to transformation. Uh, I've been blessed um, to see that principle um, bore out in my life over the years. And uh, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 16 years. I've been in full-time Christian ministry for the better part of 25 years. And I can count on one hand uh, the number, a few people that God has put in my life along the way that God just branded uh, their appearance, their name, and their story into my life. And it literally changes the way, has changed the way that I view what I do as a Christ follower. One of those people is a guy by the name of Justin Walden. Uh, here's a picture of Justin. Uh, nobody knows Justin. Justin's not going to be recorded in any history books. He was never famous. Matter of fact, he lived alone most all of his life. But I met Justin about eight or nine years ago, the church that I pastored, when he showed up one day to receive some food from a food ministry that we, we started in our, in our community, in our church. And when Justin showed up, uh, and, and I met Justin. I'm not exaggerating today. My wife can testify to this because she knew Justin. But when Justin showed up, um, you literally could not get within about eight or ten feet of him because he stunk so bad. He was filthy. He was dirty. He was nasty. He was vulgar in his, his language. And he made it really clear the first time that, that he showed up uh, preacher, I'm just, you should call me preacher. Preacher, I'm just here to get food. I don't care about God. I don't, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm just here to get food. Somebody said you're giving food away. So you know what we did? We started giving Justin food. We just started inviting him every time he would show up. And, and, uh, and he'd show up, he'd get his food, he'd turn around, he'd go get in his, his old truck that he drove, and he'd leave. Most of the time, if you had any conversation with him at all, he was dropping some four-letter bombs and some choice words, and that he just lived a hard, hard, rough, lonely life. But then Justin was diagnosed with cancer. And one time when he showed up, I said, Justin, sorry to hear about your situation. Can I pray for you? And we actually were able to sit down in a, uh, in a little classroom and have a conversation, and he told me more of his story, and if I shared his whole story, you would think there's no way in the world anybody could ever grow up and live the way that, that Justin lived. He basically lived a hermit's life. He was a loner. He had nobody in his life. And so I prayed with him that day. And uh, it wasn't long after that, um, Justin started showing up at church on Sunday morning. And I'll never forget, he drove an old um, 63 or 64, I can't remember, Ford Falcon that literally was falling apart, but he was so proud of it. And he'd be the first one that would show up on Sunday morning because he, didn't, he, he, he wanted to pick his seat. And he always sat on the back row. Uh, he came in, he sat down, he didn't talk to anybody, he didn't want anybody to talk to him. And when the service was over, he'd get up, and he'd make his way straight to his car, and he'd go home. But God was doing something in his life. And we were serving him as, as a church. I had the privilege on occasion to drive Justin to, uh, to his chemotherapy treatments from time to time. Filthy, nasty, vulgar. Uh, couldn't even hardly stand to be in the same vehicle with him for the 30 or 40 minute commute that we made from time to time. But you know what? God put him in my life and Brian, he said, Brian, just serve him. He matters to me. I went to visit Justin at home one time because somebody had told me that uh, the conditions that he lived in were, uh, were pretty rough, and you can only imagine knowing a guy like that. And when somebody told me that because of his cancer, um, and Justin actually shared this with me at one time, that it was hard for him to sleep in a bed, so he would sleep in a recliner, and that was the way that he could only get some, some rest and some relief from the pain. Uh, that he would have from his cancer. So I went and visited Justin at his home one day when he didn't show up for pantry. Uh, 
a couple of times. And when I walked into his home, church, I, I, again, I'm not exaggerating. It was the worst conditions I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some pretty harsh conditions over the years in ministry. He literally had a riding lawnmower in his living room with the engine tore down. Repair. He was a mechanic. And, and he did that in his living room with gas and oil and, and, and parts and tools strewn everywhere. He walked into his kitchen and his cupboards were open and there were cans of food. Obviously, he had been eaten out of a can of food and the cans were open with food in it. And there was ants and roaches and, and maggots and just, just the nastiest, filthiest thing you could ever imagine or dream in your life. And as I saw the chair that Justin was sleeping in, I'm like, God, what do I do? It's the wrong question to ask. Because um, just a couple years prior to that, my father passed away. When my father passed away, I got three things. I got his Bible, I got his toolbox, and I got his recliner. And I wanted that recliner. Because it was a big, nice leather chair that my dad sat in all the time. And I had that recliner. And when I left Justin's house that day, God said to me, Brian, give Justin your dad's recliner. So God, I don't want to give Justin my dad's recliner. He said, you want to serve people? You want to follow me? You want to do what I would do? I said, yeah. He said, give Justin your, your dad's recliner. It wasn't long after that, I got a phone call from a family member that I did not know. And Justin hadn't shown up in a while. And what I found out when I got that phone call is that Justin died in his home sitting in that recliner. From cancer. I'll be honest with you today, church. I don't know if Justin is in heaven today, but here's what I do know. Number one, I served him. And I'm not telling you that story to pat myself on the back. Please hear my heart, okay? Um, I served him and I shared Jesus with him because I had an opportunity to share Jesus with him because I served him. And, and that's the model that Jesus wants us to get. Uh, from this principle and these passages of scripture, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I, I'm going to believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit of God did something supernatural in Justin's life and that one day I'll see him again in eternity in the future. But his, 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 his face, his demeanor, his name is forever branded in my memory and it motivates me to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus when I have opportunity. And you know what? God will put people like that in your life as well. They're out there everywhere. I don't care where you're at, what side of town you live on, who you're, what neighborhood you live in. There are people out there everywhere, just like Justin, uh, that God is saying, you know what? They matter to me and they ought to matter to you. So are you going to do something about it? Are you going to take advantage of opportunities to serve? So let me give you a, a servolution strategy, if I can, real quick. Number one, how can a servolution happen, or what, what can we do to make a servolution happen? Number one, we can pray. We can pray and ask God to show us the needs of others around us. Number two, we can listen. We can pay attention when we're having conversations with people and just respond in obedience to the Holy Spirit when, when he pricks our heart about a conversation we're having with people. Number three, we can look. We can look for opportunities to serve simply and strategically because here's the thing, church, needs are everywhere. They're everywhere in our culture, in our society. Then the fourth thing we do as part of our strategies, we're just gonna serve. We're gonna show up and we're gonna do what we can. I tell people all the time, we might not can do everything, but we can do something. And here's the reality. We can't serve everybody, but you know what? We can serve somebody. We can do something in the name of Jesus that you just never know God's going to use to make a difference in other people's lives. So as we close today, um, I just want to show you some pictures of some people that are in my life 
that just love to do that, just love to serve. And we're just going to kind of scroll through some pictures. You may recognize some of the names and faces. You'll see some people here that are showing up to do yard work and disaster relief. And, and uh, right here uh, in, in our community, there's a group of people that are committed to doing what they can with what they have. And it's our job as the church to, to give you those opportunities and to help you connect dots and to come alongside you when you have opportunities to serve the people that God has placed in your life. And here's what I can tell you. You will never, ever, ever regret the decision to serve others, and to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. And I just wonder what would happen in Flagler County and beyond if just us, hopefully other people will get involved, but what if just us, just, just epic church, would decide we're going to start a servolution? We're going to get serious about living out our value that serving others matters. And we're not going to wait for somebody else to do something. We're going to take the responsibility on ourselves, and we're going to do something. So if that's you today, and God has pricked your heart in some way about how you can serve using your gifts, your talents, your treasures, let me give you three things that we want to encourage you to do, all right? Number one, I want you to sign up for 3G Sunday. Uh, when you leave today, you'll see a, a, a opportunities for you to serve in multiple projects. You can pick one that you feel like is something you can get energized about. There'll be people that can answer your questions there. In two weeks from today, 3G Sunday is going to happen. We're going to go out and we're going to serve all over our community and show people that God is for them and so are we. The second thing that you can do is as you leave today on the tables behind you next to the giving boxes are some cards that look like this. Uh, these are what I call our epic four flagger cards and, and they, look like, uh, they look like this on the front and the back. It says hashtag four flagger epic church on the back. It says God is for you and so are we. So let me encourage you as you leave today to pick up four or five of these, and we'll have some more available for you next week if you run out, but pick up four or five of these cards, and as you go out and live your life this week, pray, listen, look, and then serve. Do something that God puts on your heart to serve somebody else. And when you serve somebody else, I don't care if that's just grabbing your neighbor's trash cans after the trash man comes back and empties them and taking them back to their, to their side yard or whether it's fixing a meal or whether it's packing a sack lunch and dropping it off for a homeless person or whether it's visiting a hospital room or a nursing, whatever God puts on your heart, when you have opportunity to serve somebody, here's what you do. Just hand them this card and say, you've been served. Just hand them the card and say, you've been served. And let God do the rest. Matter of fact, you want to blow somebody's mind today? If you're going to go out to lunch today, you're going to have a server or a waiter. When you get ready to leave, double your tip and leave this card. Don't be cheesy. Don't, listen, we, we ought to be the most generous people on planet Earth, Okay. Because God is the most generous uh, uh, being that there is. You want to blow somebody's mind today? Double their tip, regardless of the service that you get, and leave this card and say, you've been served. I tell you, it will blow their mind. Here's the third thing that you can do, and I'm really excited about this. It's a special announcement. Uh, today, we're going to launch a new initiative that I believe is going to be the spark that ignites a servolution in Flagler County and beyond. I believe it's going to start a movement that literally is going to last for years to come because we're going to take serious this idea of serving other people. So we're going to launch today, starting today, some brand new group experiences that we call Four Flagler Groups, all right? And this is an opportunity for you to come together with a few like-minded people. And what you're going to get to do over the next three months, listen, I'm not asking you to join one of these groups for a year or two years or for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to consider getting into a, a, a four-flagger group for the next three months. 
for the month of November, for the month of December, for the month of January, because we know there's going to be amazing needs that need to be met in our community over the next three months. And here's what's going to happen in a four flagger group. We're going to ask you to commit to three months. You're only going to meet twice a month. It'll cost you about six or seven hours a month total. You'll meet one time together uh, for community and fellowship and discipleship and prayer and planning. And uh, we're going to give you all the information for that. And then you're going to meet one time a month to go out and serve together in our community. And imagine what Flagler County could look like this time next year or in five years or 10 years when there are literally dozens and even hundreds of people both inside of Epic and outside of Epic that are connected to the four Flagler movement who said, you know what, this is my community. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to use whatever gift and talent and ability that I have to serve somebody else and to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to consider joining one of our new four flagger groups for the next three months. You can stop at the four flagger groups table on your way out. There'll be somebody there that can answer your questions. There'll be somebody there that can give you some information. And today we're going to begin signing up and we're going to sign up for the next three weeks. And come the first of November, we're going to launch some people out into our community that are going to serve for the next three months, at least one time a month together and make a difference in our community. And all about you, you may, my, I hope you can tell, it gets me fired up and excited about the opportunity to do that. So as we close today, let me remind you, sign up for 3G, grab some cards on your way out, and look for opportunities to serve people this week, and then consider joining one of our four flagger groups. And I personally, if you sign up today, are going to contact you this week and help you get connected in a small group of people that are like-minded, who are going to go out and bless people and serve others and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Thanks so, so much for listening and tuning in today. And I don't know what God has spoken to you about, but I believe God's here and he's speaking and he's working in our hearts. And if God has spoken to you today, just want to let you know we're going to have some care partners and some prayer partners that will be available at the front of the stage in just a moment when I finish praying. And if you'd like for somebody to, to pray with you or for you about something that's going on in your life, or maybe you just want to say, hey, would you pray with me that I'd be able to recognize opportunities this week to serve others? Uh, we would love to do that for you. You can recognize them by the lanyard that's around their neck. I'm personally going to hang out for a few minutes, and I'd love to engage in conversation with you uh, if that's you as well. Uh, if you don't respond to that, let me just encourage you. Get out in the lobby. Take your time. Explore the opportunities to serve on 3G Sunday. Consider signing up for a four-flagger group, and uh, we'll help you get connected as soon as we possibly can. So, God, I come to you today, and I thank you so much for the privilege, uh, Lord, to be in your house today. Thank you for every person in this service today. And Lord, uh, Lord, we just want to listen to you. God, we want to be obedient uh, to live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies you. So God, give us opportunities this week to serve others. Help us to listen. Uh, help us to look. Uh, God, just, just show up and do what we can. And God, I believe and trust and know you're going to use us to be your hands and your feet and your voice and to make a difference in other people's lives that literally could have implications for all of eternity. Um, so God, uh, thanks for your true word. And we're privileged to communicate it today. God, I know you can speak so much better than I can. So God, would you take your word, plant it in our lives. God, water it and grow it and give the increase in your timing and your way. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory that you deserve. For it's in your name we pray and ask all these things. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for being here. You are dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday, okay?